uh, we have a very special guest. We have Emily Whitehurst of Survival Guide, and she's going to be recording a cover of The Smoking Pope's I Need You Around. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, no um, problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. I uh, The opportunity was there, and I was just like, this would be so cool to have Agent M on our show. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's So for those of you who aren't very, maybe Agent M is... Emily's uh, nickname from when she was in the band Tsunami Bomb. Uh, she's also in the band The Action Design. She lives in San Antonio now. She's doing her solo project, Survival Guide. And it's awesome. And um, just really looking forward to this. Thanks. Um, so jumping right into it, what made you decide to do The Smoking Popes? Um, it was, well, it's a cover that I just recently figured out just for fun. Um, I've been doing a lot of covers regularly because of my Patreon um, I have a, I have a Patreon where you can become a member and one of the tiers, uh, one of the rewards was to get a cover, like a, a custom cover, like people could make a request. And so I haven't done any covers just for myself for quite a while. And recently I've just, the song just kept getting stuck in my head yeah. and I was um, noticing how awesome the vocal melody is. And, um, I feel, I mean, I feel like smoking Pope's vocals are just, I love them so much anyway. And his melodies are so great, but I feel like for me personally, um, this song, it's kind of often overlooked by me. Yeah. yeah, And I think it's just because it was the single, Yeah, like back when it came out, uh, or back when it, you know, first got big, uh, I guess this is their only radio hit. They had Megan also, but that one wasn't as big. Yeah, I don't I don't remember ever hearing that one on the radio. But yeah, uh, so I just always kind of overlooked this one. And then when it kept getting stuck in my head, I just decided to learn it on piano. Just a simple version of it on piano, just to be able to sing it. And um, I filmed it and posted a video on YouTube. Just awesome. to like a quick little, quick version. That's awesome. Um I always, I did, I got into it late. I definitely wasn't listening to it when it was popular. So I think I have a different relationship with it. And um, it was on the Clueless soundtrack. Oh yeah. Okay. During like the ending credits mm-hmm. and um, in doing research for it, I, I, there's actually a podcast that, are you a fan of Clueless at all? Yeah, totally. So, <laughs> so uh, there's a podcast that actually dissects like every like five minutes of the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they actually have a five minutes dedicated to this song, which oh. is just credits rolling. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they just talked about the song. It was pretty cool. Um yeah, they're they're awesome. I, I think the thing that's interesting, you, you mentioned about the vocals. It kind of sounds like My Way by Frank Sinatra a little bit. That's what it reminds me of. The song? The yeah, his vocal his, melody. His style. Yeah. And, yeah. And learning it's about so jazzy. Yeah. Yeah. And learning that they were big fans of like Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra just makes so much sense. Yeah. But even the way it's it, it's so interesting because it's the way the song is set up and the way it's sung, it 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 kind of follows that melody in my mind. And then the song is kind of the complete opposite of what my way is about. It's uh-huh. about needing somebody. <laughs> yes. It's really cool. I, I think it's such a cool especially like in, in punk rock in general, just seeing the different influences that have kind of inspire these different artists over the past 30, 40 years. And it's not just Ramones and Misfits and this and that. It's cool yeah. to see them kind of diverge a little bit. Do you have any kind of influences like that or a little bit outside of the, the punk rock realm? Um, well, I, I love, let's see, some of my favorites that are not punk rock, I would say Dolly Parton. Oh yeah. I, I love her. Um, Lana Del Rey. Oh Yeah. <laughs> We know we talked about doing a yeah a cover yeah. of that. that. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, what 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 are some of your favorite songs by her? Um, I my favorite record is Ultraviolence. Oh yeah, I don't know if you know that one, but um, it's got uh, Brooklyn Baby and Money Power Glory. Like every song on that record is really good to me. That's my favorite one. But I I do like most all of her stuff. That's cool. I, I I got into the first album, or not, or the first big album with like video games and. Oh yeah, that's a. I really like that one too. That song. It was so different for like yeah. a pop song to be out there. I think it was just like kind of a breath of fresh air to to kind of have that kind of music be really popular. Yeah. It's interesting just because I, I feel like every twenty years or so, there's these cycles, and and 
the way I talked to some of my female friends about how they felt about Lana Del Rey is how I talked to some of my older female friends about how they felt about Alanis Morissette or like Jewel oh, in the nineties. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a sense of like empowerment, but also it's a sense of like, this is music for me by people like me. Uh-huh. I think it's really important to have that. Yeah. Um, you were kind of part of that too. Uh, in the early to mid aughts, you know, you were a part of the band Tsunami Bomb. And um, I think the thing that I've always liked about your band is just that it, it transcended so many different aspects of the scene. Um, you guys were a punk rock band, but at the same time, you had this kind of standing power and there were kids who liked your band and also adults who liked the band. It wasn't just for teenagers, you know? That's awesome. It's, I it's, like that. It's really cool. I, I think it's awesome. Um, how do you feel about, I mean, you've, we were kind of talking before we recorded about how you kind of, uh, you've gotten a little bit more poppy, but I feel like the essence is still there and you can still tell it's genuinely you and you are the, the, the soul of that music. Yeah. How do you feel about your transcendence or your evolution as a songwriter? Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, I do feel like you're right that, um, that I still have that core. Like I don't, I'm not, I certainly am not playing punk rock music at this stage, but, um, but there's, I think it's the, the thing that I carry with me through the different bands and different phases is the being, keeping the vocals melodic. Yeah. That's my favorite thing is being able to sing like a strong vocal that's got a good melody. And um, that, that to me is the most fun thing about singing. Yeah. So I, I, I probably will keep that throughout whatever I do musically. I think it's important too, because it's, it's a lot harder than it seems. I think the fact that you're able to get that, the rest of it should just come easy, not easily, but it just comes a little bit easier than having to start from the outside in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I'm a really big on hooks too. And I, I listen to all your stuff. You've always maintained really good hooks. Thank you. Oh, for sure. Um, so I, I've, I've done quite a bit of research and, uh, and listening. I, I know that you got your kind of entrance into punk rock came through Green Day. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. So I understand that you, you grew up in Los Banos and there was a record store where you would go to and you'd ask them about different, like if they didn't have the records, they would order them for you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, usually they didn't have them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what were some of those records? Was it like uh, Dookie or, or like uh, Kerplunk, like the older stuff? Yeah, or? I mean, they. I think they probably, at the time, they probably had Dookie in stock. Yeah. And um, and then I went back to order. I was like, wait, there's more? There's more <laughs> before this? <laughs> like, I didn't even understand the concept of that uh, they had material before that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they had to order it for me. And then from there I, I got into rancid and, um, operation Ivy and no effects and bad religion tilt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tilt. I tilt is one of those bands. I feel like should be way bigger than they are. Yeah. And, and I never <laughs> understand. I guess there's probably a lot of it is just timing. Oh yeah, totally. I went back and listened to, cause I, I really only know, I don't know a lot about them, but I, I had the one record, um, until it kills. I think. Oh, okay. And, um, I went back and listened to it not too long ago and was like, man, it's so good. Yeah. Like her vocals are so good. They've aged really well too. It doesn't sound the songs. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's from that time frame. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I, I think comps were a lot bigger in the nineties oh, too. Oh, for sure. And that's how I discovered a lot of music. And I mean, now you can kind of just search anything. Yeah. But it's cool. It's cool that you had that kind of relationship with your record store. And I think that that's something that is, is kind of missed, even though it's it's nice that you can kind of get whatever you want at your fingertips. It's kind of cool to build those kind of relationships. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I loved having that because, um, I mean, my town was so small and boring. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nothing cool around there. So it was like really... Um, pretty I feel really fortunate that I had that guy that um and his little record store and he was he was happy to uh to help you know teenage kids like me explore and find new music that's awesome yeah that's really cool what was it about Green Day specifically like when you heard it did you do you remember what it felt like hearing it for the first time yeah I do because at the time it was so grunge like Uh everything was so grunge which to me was like it was okay, but it was so um, dark and just, just 
too heavy for me yeah. in a way, like the, the, the darkness of it, you know, it was like too Seattle. Yeah. yeah. It's too rainy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So green day coming out, I was like, yes, this is like high energy and it's, um, it's just kind of like uplifting without being, um, cheesy. I yeah. don't know. It was just, just the energy of it. I was really into. And also his, uh, his melodies, like the way that he sang and the way that he put, uh, put vocals together and the power behind it. And I mean, probably it helped that, uh, his voice was not super low. Yeah. So I could sing along to it really well and, or, you know, not really well, but really, (laughs) uh, really in the same register. And, um, it was just like everything fun wrapped into one band for me. I think that's, yeah, I think that's one thing that, like, the fun aspect of it, it just, it felt so, like, this is for people like me kind of thing, and I I think that um, they were obviously, like, a gateway band for a lot of people, and, you know, from there, did you go get into, like, I know you talked about getting into Rancid and and the more, like, the more punk stuff, Mm -hmm. or quote-unquote more punk stuff. Yeah, I guess less pop, less pop punk, yeah. Yeah, did you, I mean, have you ever... Has Green Day always been kind of that kind of uh, that significant for you as far as did you ever have a point where you kind of like, oh, like this isn't punk enough for me or anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely. Well, OK, I after a certain point, um, I didn't really I wasn't super like uh, stoked to check out their new stuff, oh, yeah. you know, um, but I have a pretty wide window of Green Day appreciation of it's like five albums yeah. wide, probably. <laughs> Um, and, but at that age, for sure, there were lots of bands that I was like, this isn't punk enough for me. (laughs) I'm not even going to try listening to that. (laughs) But Green Day was never that. Have you ever gone back and listened to some of those bands and been like, oh man, what was I thinking? This is, this is way better than I should have gave him a chance back then. Oh yeah, for sure. What Um, What are some examples? Uh, I mean, what's dumb is that Smoking Popes is actually an example. Oh, really? That. Yeah. <laughs> like when that, cause you know, the music, cause yeah. I, I had only heard the song on the radio, this song. And, um, and I was like, yeah, it's cool, but it just is like, kind of like jazz, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it took me a couple, it wasn't until the 2000s at some point oh, when yeah. I was like, man, this band is really good. Yeah. And I really, really got into it. <laughs> I think it's interesting, especially with a band like Smoking Popes, because they influence so many bands of of like kind of your generation of of our generation of of you know they look at those guys like they're gods, you know, like they're like yeah. Even though they had that one radio hit, it it, it it's just so weird to look back and be like, oh, like they were there the whole time, you know. Yeah. Um, I felt that way about like Jawbreaker too, you know. Uh-huh. I forget Jawbreaker had a hit, but they weren't as big as you would think because of all the influence they've had on people, they had like kind of a rough career, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get into smoking popes until maybe about six or seven years ago. And it was just so daunting. Like, man, like it made me want to go back and kind of discover more <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, what were some other bands that you kind of went back and never gave a chance and you gave a second chance and, um, well, let's see. Um, I'd say when I first started kind of, uh, cause you know, there's a period of my life where I was like only wanting to listen to punk rock. Yeah. And, um, and then after a certain point I was like, okay, I've had a lot of punk rock uh, yeah. <laughs> in my ears and, um, and just kind of gradually started branching out. And I think it was during, um, when we were recording our first full length, actually, when I first started listening to the Smiths. Oh yeah. And, um, I mean, that's not, I, it's kind of in the same family somehow. Yeah. I don't really know how, but, um, it's not punk rock, yeah. you know, it's, and, uh, I got really, really into that. And then I followed that up with Bjork. Oh, wow. Which, you know, another, another, um, artist that I had heard the singles and Morrissey too. Like I had heard some stuff, but I never was like really into it. And then just went full on, just kind of obsessed. That's awesome. I, I feel like they're like artists like Bjork and Morrissey more specifically Bjork you have to be in a certain mind frame to get them yeah and when you're young you're not in that mind <laughs> totally frame. you're like ew yeah <laughs> so that swan lady with the swan dress like that yeah. that was her to me and then I think I heard she had that one song I can't remember but um I went back and yeah it's it's just so cool to like go back and it's like you're un- you're like translating like a Rosetta Stone, like you're unlocking yes. what it means to actually like these bands. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like um, 
I mentioned earlier Dolly Parton and Lana Del Rey. Those uh-huh. are both kind of like that for me too. Oh like yeah. Just later on, you know, I'm kind of always looking for that for the next thing that I that I haven't caught on to yet, even though maybe it's been around for decades. Yeah, yeah. I think music consumption in general is just it's a lot of it. I feel like there are music listeners out there who need more and more stuff, and it's so easy to dismiss things because you have, they're old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you have like. 30 seconds to get someone's attention. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's different. Things are way different. When you would buy albums before, I mean, you would, listen, one way or the other, you were going to listen to the whole thing, right? You wouldn't just yeah. skip around, right? Yeah. Do you still do that now? Or do you feel like because so much is out there, you want to kind of consume as much as possible? No, I'm still, um, it, I'm still looking for albums. Like for me, it's that... Um, I want, when there's a song that I love, I want more of it, you know, I want more of that artist and I want, I love the way an album is, um, if it's done right and well, that it's a a cohesive, uh, sort of a journey, you know, it's got, it's got hills and valleys and, uh, I, I know things are totally changed because of digital you know, streaming and everything. Yeah. But I'm hopeful that there's still a reason to make albums because that's what I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I, I think you're right. I mean, um, it's, it's something, it's like a movie, you know? Yeah, and exactly. Every song it's an experience as opposed to just, I mean, and I do sometimes if I'm like, I'm going to clean the house, then I'll put on like a, you know, a Spotify playlist yeah. or something. Or if I can't decide what to listen to, or I'm not feeling one thing in particular, but generally I'm like, yeah, I want to listen to this whole Smith's record or whatever. Yeah, what was the last like newer album that really moved you from start to finish? Oh, it's hard to say, because um, I'm kind of always, I'm always on the lookout for that. Uh, but it's rare. Yeah, it's really rare at this point, point. Um, and I think it's part of it is be, just being flooded, you know, yeah. with with so much material. It's hard to kind of even know where to start. Um, so yeah, I'd have to look at my, <laughs> I'd have to look at my phone oh, yeah. and see what was the la- latest things that I've, that I've downloaded. What, what do you think of the latest Lano Del Rey? Have you heard much of it? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's growing on me. It's, it's definitely a, a different sound, but I feel like that's kind of what she's been doing with her records. Yeah. They each kind of have like a slightly different feel. And this one is so, um, folky which I'm I'm not super into but I do still really like it. I like her um there's there are a lot of reasons I like her and uh mainly her lyrics and her vocals. Yeah. And uh it it seems like every record every time she releases a record I'm I start out like that's okay. <laughs> it's good, but it's not my favorite and then eventually like I have to warm up to it cuz it's so different from her previous stuff. Yeah, I I think um the first thing I heard from the new album is the the Sublime cover, yeah. Do in Time, and I had a Sublime phase. Yeah, so, oh, so did I. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did you ever have a moment where you kind of were like, it was like a guilty pleasure, or has it always just been like, you know what, I like Sublime, deal with it. <laughs> well, I think it was more it it turned into a guilty pleasure yeah. after um after they just got like people just started you know, feeling like they were so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> At first I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Cause I, I had a ska phase too. Oh, so, yeah. so, um, when I first heard, I think I, the first song I heard from them was date rape. Oh yeah. And it was like super, you know, ska, like no yeah. horns or anything, but it's like that kind of ska that does not have horns. And I was at that age. And at that time I was just like really consuming anything that sounded like that yeah so I got super into it and I listened to and I did that same thing with that record store I went and ordered their first record and their second record and then the third one is the one that had all the singles on it yeah so then people started being like oh they're overplayed and it sucks (laughs) and whatever and and I I mean I guess I'm I do kind of feel like uh at that time I was like oh their old stuff's cooler yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because uh we we've talked about sublime a bit on on the podcast and it's i i still like sublime but i've always felt like there are people who like sublime that 
make me not want to like Sublime uh-huh. because <laughs> they're just so obsessed with it. Yeah. And I think Scott is funny because, I mean, Scott in general kind of has, I feel like all the theater kids, Scott kids were essentially theater kids who were just like, this is all I'm listening to and this is my yeah. personality. And it almost be like, wait, like I like this music, but I'm not like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird when it becomes like a lifestyle. Yeah. And, I mean, that's definitely how I was with punk rock for oh, sure. Yeah. It was like a punk rock lifestyle. But, um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's kind of like you, it, you kind of feel like, well, I like this, but I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not really associated with that. Yeah. With that like obsession. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like a little bit, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, it's like yeah. having a seesaw of that. You don't, you know, like, Hey, I also like Lana Del Rey. I also like yeah. Dolly Parton. You know? Yeah, totally. I think it also depends on your age too. Yeah. Like for me, it was like, I thought it was super cool. And then I was like, kind of embarrassed, Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whereas it, now I'm like, whatever, I can listen to whatever I want. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's funny just because I, I have a older cousin who's a frat guy and all of his <laughs> friends love sublime and i'm just like I yeah that, yeah yeah it, it was like it got so broy. i guess yeah. you know but yeah I, I i still appreciate i still have a bunch of their albums and yeah. i'm not getting rid of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i haven't listened to them in a while i probably should i was wondering I, oh go ahead i was just gonna say i really liked that cover that lana del rey did. i was just about to say i was wondering if that's brought up some stock with sublime because probably <laughs> there's a lot of people i know who who either I didn't know listen to Sublime or they love that song. Yeah. And she does such, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty much the same, but her voice just adds this other layer to it. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that it's Gershwin, you know, Gershwin wrote that for a woman uh-huh. and it's, it's coming full circle, you know, it's just, it's just so cool to hear those kind of voices for a song like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've seen you cover Skulls by Misfits uh-huh. and it was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, there's, a, I think when I, was talking to people who were familiar with Tsunami Bomb who haven't heard your newer stuff. I like to use the term like, this is going to be kind of cliche, but like hauntingly beautiful. Like you've got a great oh, voice. <laughs> it's haunting and it's like haunting pretty like, a, like, I don't know. It's just so you've got a great voice and it's still got these kind of spooky elements to it. And that uh-huh. cover was perfect. I loved it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it was so, it reminded me of, of the Lemonheads did a cover of Skulls. Have you heard that version no. of it? No, it's I haven't. Acoustic and Evan Dando, the leading singer, just sings it, and it sounds like a song you would sing at a funeral. And that's oh, how wow. I, like if if your version would be a great song to play at a funeral, I yeah. think. <laughs> so it was really cool. What other kind of covers do you like to play? I mean, I've been really getting into covers a lot lately because of that Patreon mm-hmm. thing. Um, but the ones that I've done, I guess one that would fall perfectly in what you're saying <laughs> is that I did a cover for myself. Um, that I that I posted on SoundCloud or whatever, of um, Madonna Borderline. Oh, cool! Um, because I ca- that's another one that like it was getting stuck in my head, and when I'd hear it, uh, I always was thinking how the lyrics really sound kind of creepy, yeah, to me and sad, and uh, but the song the way she does it is so happy and peppy. So I took that and I made it a piano cover, and I and I made it uh, in a minor key. And I made it just, I kind of made it like a Lana Del Rey song. That's awesome. <laughs> so I made it like kind of cre- creepy and sad. That's really cool. It, it, I think the first time I heard anybody do that was when Tori Amos did Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh-huh. And she kind of just broke down to chords and it was a totally different song. And it's something I, I feel like is, is really, it's really fun to hear those kinds of, of covers. Yeah. Um, I think uh, there's, there's a band called Illuminati Hotties and they did I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston but it's just so stripped down. Uh-huh. And that's something I really appreciate about your music. It's just, it's so raw and like I can hear your voice in it, even when you're doing covers. Yeah. It's so cool. That that would be a great one. I, I'm going to have to yeah. listen to that. That's a good, good. I love the concept of taking a, like a happy song like that yeah. and making it sad and creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, are, those are my favorite. And that's what's so fun about, I feel like doing not just Misfit songs, but Danzig songs in general. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who was on here and he did skulls and he was really excited because I told him that you were originally going to do skulls. And then I told him that you're going to do smoking popes instead. And he's just like, felt like, Oh man, it's my fault. I shouldn't have done skulls. I want to hear her. <laughs> do. I'm like, well, she's got it online. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, with Danzig, he's got that kind of voice I and mean, he's got that kind of Elvis voice. Yeah. And I feel when women sing his songs, it just translates so perfectly. Yeah. I, but, yeah. I love how he sings. It's I really would like to do a, a a Misfits cover band. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be that, fun. That'd be really cool. Um, 
I know that he was really into like girl groups of like 60s girl groups. So you kind of hear that in his voice a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's bands like like Bleach that have done a cover of, of Skulls and um, I think the Vivian Girls. It's just so many different female-friended bands and I love hearing that. Yeah. It's- in Action Design, we did a cover of Hybrid Moments. Oh, cool. Which is like probably my favorite one to sing. Oh, it's really? so good. Yeah, I love it. What, is that your favorite Misfits song? It's one of my top for sure. Do you have a top five or do you do they rotate? <laughs> um, I'd have to look. I'm not super good with titles. I mean, Skulls, obviously. Um, de- and definitely um, hybrid moments. Um, yeah, most of them would probably be off of Walk Among Us. Oh, cool. I really like that record. Yeah, I, I just recently started getting into that one because I was all about Static Age. And yeah, and that's a good one too. Like that's all you need you know, for, <laughs> yeah. for the, 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 the shallow level of, of Misfits fan, uh-huh. which is what I was <laughs> at that point. But yeah, it's really awesome. Um, you've toured with tons of different bands that you kind of looked up to. What is it like to be peers with those type of people as far as, you know, playing on the same stage as them and, and, and being able to, where they consider you a peer in the industry? It's, it's pretty unbelievable. It's like, it's definitely one of the biggest rewards, I would say, of all of the work that I've done in music is being able to do those tours and, and get to, you know, actually become friends with people that I look up to. It's pretty amazing and unbelievable. And I still like, I feel so grateful for all that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I really like uh, your cover, well, you and MXPX's cover of um, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love the Belinda Carlisle connection because, like, she was the first drummer of the Germs, and, like, people forget that she has a punk rock background. She was a drummer? Yeah, she was. What? The, I mean, I knew that, I knew that uh, she and the Go-Go's had punk rock background, but. Yeah, she, uh, the Germs, she was their first <laughs> no drummer. No way. And, uh, and, yeah, they. That's I, awesome. I think she left to start the band with Jane Wide- Wideland. Uh-huh. And then the germs had their thing and Go-Go's went in a That's different so direction. Cool. Yeah, I knew they were associated, but I did not know she was a drummer. It's so cool. I think it's so cool to like hear that now. And like growing up, I hated 80s music and hearing that like, oh, like this comes from music that I like. Yeah. And I, I just feel so like ignorant to that um, <laughs> as a kid, you know. Yeah. But I feel like that's like a growing pain of punk rock, you know. You, totally. You realize. <laughs> you so start much- out thinking you know everything. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you have any moments where you realize like, oh, like maybe I don't know as much as I think I do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, every time I, every time I branched out into a, into a new type of music, especially when I was in that phase where I was like, oh, this isn't punk enough for yeah. me, you know, <laughs> like that's how I felt about, uh, everything at yeah. that time that wasn't punk rock. I was like, ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny just to, to go back. And I, I think that we talk about a lot about this now and that the, the kids now are so welcoming and so they're so inclusive. And it like, if we were put to put ourselves in their shoes, we wouldn't be that way at all. Yeah. Well, I think it depends on, on, well, okay, obviously I'm not a kid right now, but it depends (laughs) to me, like thinking about my own experience, I feel like it depends on your age and it depends on if you found your, your niche, you yeah. Know? Like, which maybe that's still how it is. It's possible, but for me, before I found punk rock, I was like, okay, I had like an En Vogue tape oh, and yeah. <laughs> like Boys to Men and boy, uh, what are they called? Belle Biv DeVoe, and I had like a Candlebox CD. And, oh wow! And a Nirvana CD. Like, I had a whole variety going on, and I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. But it wasn't until it wasn't until I was like found my place that I was like, this is me. This yeah. is where I am and who I am. And, and I don't want to listen to anything else. You know, that's awesome. Um, I'm so glad you brought up Bo Biv DeVoe because poison. <laughs> oh, I know. It's not like one of the best songs of all time. Yes. I want to cover that song. So you, bad. that would be amazing. I would love to hear that. <laughs> it's, I, it's on my list of eventual. I don't know how, like the instrumentation is, is a uh, part of the problem, but I it, I will do it at some point. That intro, like it's not even like a fill; it's just like a straight eight. That 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 that. When I first got an electronic drum set, that was the first thing I played. And oh, was, that's yeah, it's that's a good one. It's just so cool. Um, I I also own Boys to Men too, the second <laughs> album. Um, it's funny just to to go back and look and see how I mean you're kind of sampling different things to try to find your niche. And, yeah. You, you like these things, but it wasn't until Green Day where you're just like, oh, this is me. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other, like, were there other albums that you've come back to from before 
pre-Green Day that you, you've kind of become more significant than you thought that they would? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Because... Cause yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't really, there wasn't anything that I really got into and I don't know, maybe I should just revisit some of that stuff. Cause I mean, that song, that Belbiv DeVoe song in particular is so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's transcended. Cause it was like a guilty pleasure for a lot of people. And I feel like it's transcended that to where it's uh-huh. just good now. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be ashamed to say you like it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I know you, I was listening to some of the podcasts you were on and you toured with Bouncing Souls and you sang with them. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the biggest moment for you or are there other moments when you're touring with somebody that you're like, this is my apex right now as far as? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that touring with Bouncing Souls was definitely my my top, one of my top tours of all time. And uh, it was so, um, uh, I guess, uh, on the course of my career, that was a really, really good one for me. Uh, and I would say also the touring with social distortion oh, when I was cool. in action design, that was pretty big too. That's that awesome. Was, yeah. Um, that was, that was interesting because, I felt like action design was not, um, I mean, that wasn't straight up punk rock, you know, like Tsunami Bomb was. And um, I felt really weird being on that tour. I was worried that, uh, you know, their fans weren't going to like us, but they did. And it was really amazing to get to play because those shows were really big. That's awesome. So, yeah, that was was a really good one. Um, And then uh, in our earlier days when we first got signed to kung fu in tsunami bomb and we toured with the vandals because i had been a fan of the vandals too when i was in high school so um so that was pretty awesome getting to get that was probably the first the first one that oh no there was also the living end oh yeah because i loved them too like we the whole band was was really into them and that was the first like big tour that we got to do and i was just like wow this is so cool i get to see them play and and now I know them personally, <laughs> and it's pretty magical. They're they're a bucket list band of mine, and oh, I've yeah. always missed them whenever they've actually come. They're in. They're so good. Um, do you have like a bucket list, or have you already completed that? And now you started new bands that you want to see or tour with, or um, I don't really keep a keep a list in my mind or uh-huh. anything because I I kind of don't really know where Survival Guide sits right now, like it, with. I don't know who would be actually practical for me to tour with, you know? I guess I could say, uh, like, Sylvanesso. Do you know them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that would be, like, an ultimate matchup. I would love to play with them. I think that would be, like, a very solid tour if yeah. I could do that. <laughs> that would be really cool. There's a podcast called um, Washed Up Emo, and have you heard it before? No. So this guy, Tom Mullen, he is an A&R guy for, I want to say Atlantic, but he started with EVR. And so he knows what he's talking about and he's an older guy. So he, he that's where the washed up comes from. But <laughs> he talks a lot about, he has different like emo guys from like the nineties and especially like the, the second wave, not so much the third wave. Um, and they talk a lot about how tours in the nineties were just so random. Mm-hmm. Like you would see Snapcase, and then you see dashboard confessional. Yeah. And it just wouldn't, do you feel like that's something that should come back? Like, do you feel like having the same type of bands on a tour is, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's a good thing because you get the same, but like you experienced with social distortion, you saw that. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it's really awesome when when things are mixed up. I mean, to an extent. Because yeah. like as a, as a, it's really stressful as the band, you know, being oh. up there and being like, wow, this is a really, um, you know, our band sticks out or it's really different. I mean, at least for me, I, I kind of worry about... Um, what what people what the audience will think yeah. you know of this combo but it always seems to work out awesome like i can't think of a time where i'm sure there was a time because i've played so <laughs> many shows but i can't think of a time where it's like wow that was a terrible idea we never should have done that you know <laughs> it's always worked out that's really cool i i i think it's fun to see that and i i think that um 
you don't see that too much because festivals kind of have taken that. Yeah. Yeah. The Even the shows, live shows and touring has totally changed yeah. since, since Tsunami Bomb days. Um, have you gone to any festivals, performed at any festivals recently where? No. I mean, I, I went to Coachella a couple of years um, in a row and um, I'm just not a festival goer. Like it's I think exhausting. it's cool. Yeah, it is exhausting. <laughs> it's a cool concept. Um, but it's also so crowded yeah. and so big, you know, and it's like um just I don't know. I prefer I prefer a smaller venue to a giant festival and crowds and figuring out where to park yeah. and all that kind of stuff and it just is to me it's kind of like overload. Yeah, and I think that there are some, like, um, Fest in Florida, I think, does it right, where they have multiple venues. Mm-hmm. I like think, South by Southwest, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's really cool to have that. You kind of have, like, an a la carte of bands to choose, yeah. and then you still get that experience of seeing, okay, I'm here to see the Descendants, but this band I've never heard of is opening for them. Mm-hmm. I might as well stick and watch them, you know, stick around and watch them. I think it's cool to kind of mix that as opposed to just, I got to meet at this stage, and then I'm going to go from this stage to this stage, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just the whole concept is exhausting, but it's definitely the most bang for your buck. Yeah, for sure. It makes sense why yeah. it's why it's gotten so big and why people love it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have this opportunity to talk to you about your old band, if that's okay. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I've always wanted to ask you, uh, I know I, I've read and heard that there are songs from the earlier sets that obviously you grow up as a songwriter and songs you may have written when you were younger don't really apply to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to like a song that you write and you're not really into it and it becomes like one of your more popular songs and people are always asking for it. You're talking about lemonade. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how, how do you kind of battle that? I mean, obviously you want to please your fans, but you also like <laughs> you've got your integrity to maintain as well for yourself. How yeah. do you kind of battle that? Uh, well, I mean the, in, what we did I don't know what I would do now exactly but um we so that song was written by the original bass player oh okay and the original vocalist oh because there was a vocalist that never she was in the band for a couple months before me um and they wrote a couple of songs together and that was one that they wrote together and um so I think a big part of that was that we were like not attached to it at okay. all. And we also like our relationship with him, with that bass player, we ended up kicking him out of the band. Yeah. So it was like a, a problematic relationship and uh, there was a lot of tension there. And um, and we eventually just associated that song with him. Okay. You know, and... um and then, of course, people still want, people loved yeah, it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> And the rest of us were kind of like, oh, that song. Like, we don't even, we have no emotional ties to the yeah. song. And actually, we don't like the guy that wrote it, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, so we did, like, we, we switched it to, because it's kind of a um, slower tempo song um, compared to the rest of our songs. Uh-huh. So, at one point, we you know, when he was still in the band, the rest of us were like, we're so sick of this. Like, let's change it up at least. And we made it into a fast, we made like a fast version of it that Uh we played live. So that kind of helped. And then when we kicked him out of the band, we were like, we're not playing this song. Now (laughs) Now we don't have anyone who's like making us play this song. And, uh, we just stopped playing it. And so we went ahead and took the liberties and, um, I think, you know, people were disappointed, but, um, but we were at a point where we were like really tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> and y'all brought it back for the 09 dead. Um, yeah. 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 We played it for the, I mean, it was not at that point he wasn't playing yeah. the reunion and uh, we were just like, all of us were kind of like, well, we kind of got to do it. We should just <laughs> do it. Like we weren't, uh, we weren't really um, super opposed to playing it at that point. That's cool. Yeah. I, I just hear so much about that with, with, especially with bands who are able to stay together for so long and, I know like Lagwagon feels that way about beer goggles and uh-huh. I, on their live album, they even say everyone always requests this. So you better fucking dance. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting too, because, um, 
one thing, I mean, at least because I've heard that a lot too. Like there's always, you always hear stories about bands that are like, oh, I hate that song. Yeah. I hate playing it. And and it's it's one that people love. And I think one that, that comes to mind that I heard is uh, Radiohead Creep. Creep, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and I think it's because those songs are the ones that, um, I mean, when it's this situation, it's like, that's the song that's the most simple yeah, and the least amount of effort went yeah. into it. And, you know, so you put nothing into it and, and that's the one that people want to hear. So it's like kind of disappointing, but it also makes sense that that's what people want to hear. Yeah. You know, they want to hear the one that's like catchy and simple and straightforward and whatever. Like it's just easier for, for listeners to love it. Yeah. You know? Like there's not, and there's not as much, um, there's not as much, you're not like, uh, interpreting the music. It's just there. Yeah. And I think as the band, it's kind of like, it kind of makes you roll your eyes like, (laughs) oh, great. This is what people love us for. And it's not what we love, you know? Yeah. I, I I just love hearing about that, that concept. And yeah, Creep was definitely another one I was thinking of. And and it's just so funny because even going back, I mean, that was 30 years ago about Creep came out uh, almost and seeing some of the, like, the advertising for that era of the band, it just is so far from what they are now. Yeah, totally. I think there was like a thing on the back of like one of the CDs, like go to www.areyouacreep and just like, that's not <laughs> what they want to be associated with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's really cool. Um, so I, I did also want to talk a little bit about you are volunteering with the San Antonio girls rock camp. Yes. Here. Um, how did you get involved with that? Um, I have a, I have a friend who were mutual friends with, uh, Tiffany who founded the camp Okay, and she just set me up with her. I, I did a, a rock camp when I lived out in California too, like a while back, but I hadn't, I hadn't done one for a long time. So, um, so when I had the opportunity to do it here and kind of, uh, get more, you know, meet more musicians uh-huh. and stuff. I was really into that. And it's, it's such a cool experience too, to get to work with the teens and preteens for a week. Then when you get them, they, like some of them have never played an instrument in their life. And then by the end of the week, they put on a concert, right? Yeah. It's crazy. It's super insane. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. It's pretty inspiring actually too, to yeah. be like, this is what can be done. Like if you put your mind to it, like you can, you can write a song and play a show in a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool because my, my cousin, Amanda, who's in Yoronas in, in an earlier episode, was talking about how it was so crazy. Just she looked up to you and now she gets to work with you to help these kids learn yeah. you know, how to play and sing. And it was just so cool to see the full circle aspect of, of making music come yeah. into, into, into the life. Um, what a, when it, When it comes to like, teaching them and, and showing them stuff, what were some of the things that you felt were important to kind of get stressed to them? Um, well, there, there are two sides to it. We would do um, coaching, like band coaching of a full band. So we, you know, each instructor had our own band to work with. And then we also worked with our instrument. Okay. So I, uh, Amanda and I worked with all the vocalists um, and in a week, like there's not really, you can't really teach that much. And I personally, I've never taken lessons. So I don't really have a lot of uh, insight as to how you would even go about teaching someone to sing. So for me, um, I think one of the most important things to teach the girls in one week is about uh, stage presence and stage energy because, you know, they've never played a show before. So they're they can be really stiff and really nervous, yeah. understandably. So uh, so I try to get them to sort of, uh, you know, open up a little bit and be able to get into it. Um, and then also the technical aspect of how to use a microphone. Because, I mean, there are bands that should know better by now, yeah. like how to use a microphone. It's like you can keep it from feeding back and you can make yourself louder just by putting your mouth closer to the microphone, yeah. you know? So I think these are, these are important, like just technique type stuff to teach the girls. And, um, as far as the band coaching, um, I was assigned to the youngest 
group. Oh, really? So they were, yeah, it was like age nine to 11. Oh, wow. <laughs> which I was not prepared for. <laughs> and the other camp that I worked, it was only like, I think 12 was the youngest oh, wow. girl. So, um, so it was mostly just trying to get them to do something together as a group. Yeah. And they ended up covering lemonade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which was hilarious because the, <laughs> one of the, the bass player in the band was a Tsunami Bomb fan, like a big Tsunami Bomb fan. So she um, uh, she suggested at one point because they couldn't settle on a, even a style of oh, music. Really? Like uh, one girl wanted to s do mariachi style oh, wow. and, you know, one girl wanted to do like heavier and uh, and then this bass player was like, how about we do Lemonade? <laughs> and she sings it, you know, like originally. So so uh, I was kind of like, oh, great. <laughs> There's that song again. <laughs> you were afraid people were going to think you were like being a stage I mom. Was, like I was afraid song. people were going to be like, oh, of course they're doing that song. That's the song she does. So. But then I was like, whatever, it's, it's, that's not how it went. So that's cool. I would never suggest them to do that song ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. I, I saw the video of the, the concert and it was packed. It was, it looked yeah. awesome. There's a lot of, of, uh, a lot of people there. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, man, you girls are spoiled. <laughs> Your first show is like packed. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, when it comes to like, I mean, I, I know Amanda was talking about how like, I think I watched like the Bikini Kill documentary. Uh, yeah, there was a one of the um, workshops they showed like some clips of it. That's cool. Yeah. Did you give them like homework like, hey, listen to this album or anything like that? No, I didn't. <laughs> I just spent most of my time just trying to figure out what I was doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm not, I've never really taught before. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. I, I think it's awesome that you do that. And um, I'm we're glad to have you in San Antonio. Um, I'm, I'm oh, hoping San Antonio is treating you right. It is. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, we're kind of coming up on time right now. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Do you have anything coming up uh, in the near future? Any um, you want to mention your Patreon? You mentioned your Patreon. Yeah. Um, yeah. My Patreon is super fun. If you're into uh, what I've done at all in the past like one cool thing that i've been doing is um i've been releasing uh streams of the bands that i was in before tsunami Bomb. oh yeah <laughs> yeah so like my first band that i was in in high school and then i was in another band before like in college right before tsunami bomb so i've got these two like really rough i guess <laughs> i wouldn't say i don't want to say terrible um Generic but like asphalt, really, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, generic asphalt and then plinky. <laughs> so um, I've been releasing those and um, I've been doing these uh, lyric sheets. There's a, a reward where I'll, I'll do a lyric sheet of any song that I've ever written oh, cool. for you and send it to you. And it's fun. It's really fun. It's basically like my day job. That's awesome. So yeah, that's I an really, awesome day job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's really, really fun. I love doing it. So yeah, um, that's just Patreon. Well, all of my social media pretty much is survival guide, but without any vowels. Okay. So like on Instagram and Facebook and on Patreon, it's just patreon.com slash SRVVLGD. Okay, cool. Yeah. And also um, I'm playing, it's um, going to happen before this podcast comes out. So I don't know if you want to talk I, about it. I can it. tweet about it before we release it. Yeah. What, what's going on? Um, I'm going to be singing a couple of country songs with the Texases. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to wait till afterwards, but yeah, that's awesome. What, what, do you know what, what songs you're singing? Yeah. I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do whose bed have your boots been under by Shania Twain. Oh, cool. And then I'm doing two duets. One is Dolly Parton, uh, and Kenny, uh, I can't remember his last name. No, keep, no. Yes. Islands in the stream. Oh, um, Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Dolly fan. Not really a Kenny yeah. Rogers fan. <laughs> um, and then a Loretta Lynn Conway. Oh, awesome. Duet of Louisiana woman, Mississippi man. I've always felt like Loretta Lynn was like the punk rock country. Oh, women totally. artist. There's just something about her that is so fucking cool. Yeah, like, she's <laughs> raw. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I would definitely tweet about that and uh, we'll put it out. Um, I'm so hoping to do some stuff with them like uh, 
just in general, just to get to do cool. uh, some more, more types of singing. You know? yeah. So hopefully after the podcast is out too, I'll be doing more Texas stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate you having on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, coming up next, we have Emily Whitehurst covering the smoking popes. I need you around. If I could see into your Crazy as it sounds 